Today's podcast, Sarita and I go old school, asking NBA Finals questions, some hypothetical stuff and stuff that doesn't make any sense, but it'll be fun. Anthony Slater on the finals and an extended run for this Golden State team and life advice. Get ready. It's the NBA Finals. It's the Ryan Russillo podcast presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs and FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming, so please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and older. 18 plus in DC and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit rg help.com. This episode is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows on over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Let's get ready for the NBA Finals. We're going to do some old school radio stuff here where a guy just asks the other guy questions. Um, and so Saruti's going to ask those questions. We've put together a ton. He's terrific at this. So get started. Let's go. All right. I think this was my first ever radio segment, by the way. It was like Saruti's 10 NBA questions. It was my first ever on-air thing on SCP and Rosillo back in the day. So it's harkening back to the good old days. Let's go. Yeah, maybe you've improved. I would hope so. I I would hope so. All right. And that here we go. Number one. All right. Uh, Which team has a better chance to get back sooner? Okay, let's just do a little PSA. Yes, we realize the finals haven't started yet. We're already doing a recap of who would get back. We understand how absurd that is. It's evergreen love, content. Right. I'd look, hey, man, welcome to July Radio. <laughs> uh, I love I love this question because I think it's actually really hard. Okay, because you can do two different things here. And I'll start with the one that maybe, I don't know if it means less or more, but we can look at the conferences, right? So it's not just who the team is. You look at the rest of the conference. Because if you look at the East, there's still a lot of competitive depth there, and it's not like Boston won 60 games, 60-plus games, and you go, oh, well, this team's going to be in this two- or three-year window, uh, which they may be in year three of a longer window here by playing the Eastern Conference Finals a year ago than having all their disappointment and whatever. So um, is Miami going to be better next year? I think that would be unlikely. But again, this is all based on offseason stuff that we can't predict. Milwaukee's going to be really good. Uh, there's no question about that. Uh, they would more likely or most likely have Middleton. You know, I'm not going to start predicting injuries a year from now in the playoffs. The Sixers, even though, you know, it's it's a little messy right now trying to figure out exactly who they're going to be. Uh, full season of Harden, maybe. Maybe it's a little bit better. Toronto's sneaky going to be better. I just think they will be better because I like their young guys so much. Uh, so I think that's five teams there with Boston that are kind of in that group. And the second tier of teams. And look, Brooklyn can't be this bad. There's a version of Brooklyn where things come together and they win a bunch of regular season games and they're a real threat a year from now. I don't think that's some ridiculous leap to project that out. Uh, Chicago could be better. Atlanta could be better. And I think Cleveland's building something too. So there's a lot of depth there through the East. If we look at the West, Phoenix is still going to be good. Uh, Memphis will probably have like another year that under their belt, feeling like they left something on the table with Ja being out. 
Dallas is still going to be good. Utah won 49 games. I don't know what the team is going to look like. <laughs> Denver, you would likely have Murray and Michael Porter Jr. back. So that's team that you're worried about. And then Minnesota, New Orleans should be on the rise. I still don't know what to do with the Clippers. The safe assumption is they're better than a 42 and 40 team because they've been getting their guys back. Uh, but that's a lot of, hey, everybody's going to be back and everybody's going to be healthy. And that's not necessarily the case. So other than looking at the conference depth, which I think is debatable on both sides of how hard it would be, let's look at the teams themselves. Is there another ceiling beyond this for Tatum? If Tatum wins an NBA championship, he's going to be talked about like as a new ceiling guy. And that's totally going to be warranted because if that's what he does, you know, now we talk about Tatum in a different way, which also leads to more scrutiny when you start flirting with that top five area, which is totally fair and, and will be, I think, justified at that point. The reason I say Warriors is that I think the Warriors' possible depth around their current stars even though an unknown gives them a better chance of like having a really special team. If Kaminga takes a leap, if they get anything from Wiseman, Pool's continued growth. Like there's a lot of stuff there with Golden State. You're like, well, what if all of these good things happen with them? Where I think the Celtics team is pretty close to who they would be. Unless somebody like how much better would Smart be? How much better would Brown be? How much better would Grant like is Grant Williams all of a sudden gonna become a guy who's making like three or four all-star teams? I think Grant's been awesome. His story is awesome, but I think there's still more like untapped potential with who Golden State could be because of some of the young guys in the roster than Boston. So I'll say Golden State. Really long answer, but we got there. No, I think I, I mean I'm on kind of on the same page. I think the key word though is sooner. Like I think Boston gets back to another finals with this, with you know, with Tatum and Brown at least at the as this at the center piece of this group but i think golden state has a better chance to get back there next season um just because of everything that you said and also you know like i next year i think milwaukee's still probably the best team in the east like i don't know if that's a crazy thing to say i, mean, no, I, I think i, I would I, presently constitute if like everybody brings everybody back and they're pretty much similar i mean everybody can improve around the margins but i i, I think milwaukee's still slightly better now if boston made it to the finals next year i wouldn't be surprised but i still would probably pick milwaukee in that situation um, but beyond that, you know, I guess, you know, Philly, I, I, it's, it's mostly just the Bucks thing. Like I'm more afraid of the Bucks in the East than I am of any other team in the West. Like I'm, I'm sorry, like if Aiton's going to be gone, yeah, if you, the Suns are going to be good next year, but I don't know what, what exactly they're going to look like. Am I ready to say Memphis is going to be a finals team next year? I'd still probably take the Warriors another year out there. And then when you go beyond that, like it depends. I mean, Dallas certainly adds another piece. Maybe anything's possible with Luca, but like, I kind of feel like, you know, they overexceeded their expectations already this season. So it's really just the Milwaukee thing for me. Like, I'm more afraid of Milwaukee than any other team in either conference. And that's why I'd probably pick the Warriors. Totally fair to, to suggest that you're going into next year thinking the Bucs are the team to beat in the East, even if the NBA titles won by the Celtics. I don't think that's going to be a ridiculous thing to say. All right. Um, next one. Next one. Here we go. All right. Most important player in the series not named Steph or Tatum. Who is it? It's Clay. It's Clay. Wow. Yeah, because if you get if you get what are we going to do with this guy Clay two two games out of this series, that tilts things. And cl the way Clay closed the Western Conference Finals, the way he closed the second round, you know those are big spots for him to go off, and especially in the elimination game against Dallas. So that's what you're always kind of looking at here with Golden State. Like, what kind of Clay are you getting? Because I still think you kind of know what you're getting day to day with Brown. You know, he's going to get you buckets. There's yep. going to be some nights where it doesn't go as well. You know, Brown might be the other answer. You know, late game, hey, get them something going offensively when everybody sells out to defend Tatum. So I wouldn't say somebody's crazy for saying it's Jalen Brown, but I, I think there's a version of Clay where that tilts the series, but we just don't know how often we're going to get it. 
Uh, wow, that's that's so I was I was kind of kicking around Jalen. I feel like Jalen's the easy answer, though, but I'm, I agree with you. I think you kind of know what you're getting with him game in game out. I mean, you know, his peaks and valleys aren't insane, like some games are better than others. But, you know, for the most part, you know, I know what I'm getting there. And especially on the defensive end, I went with Marcus Smart. Call me crazy. But like the, if he if go ahead. Wait, as the third most important player in the series, not the not the best. Play, like, I'm not saying, no, he's, I, like, know the best, I, but, know, I know that. I know. that. But I think like. I think if Marcus Smart, like if he knocks down shots in a couple of these games and can and can help them steal a couple of games, maybe in Golden State, and he plays the the defense he's capable against a lot of those perimeter players, like I think the Celtics win that. I, I would I would probably pick Golden State, but if Marcus Smart does that, I could see the Celtics winning the series. Like I think he is kind of the X factor in this. If like if he makes shots, I guess you could say the same same thing about like a lot of their fringe guys, like Derek White. If he's good defensively and knocks down some shots, the Celtics have a chance. But I think Marcus Smart is actually the guy where if he's hitting those if if they leave him open, like Miami kind of did in Game Seven, and he's knocking down some of those shots and becomes an actual threat, I think I think the ball, I think Boston wins the series. Yeah, and the Derek White thing has become popular. Like he could swing; he's just not going to. You don't get enough opportunities if you're Derek White to swing an entire series. Yeah. So yeah, hit a couple late threes. Hey, you won that game. But Smart has far more opportunities to impact the series, uh, not only with the shots, but also what he's going to do against Steph. And I still think, as annoying as it is, the defense Steph. He'll, he just has to feel so much better about the physical matchup than Butler just taking him down low. And, you know, that got, that got kind of weird. I think it leads in well to the next question, too, defensively for Boston. All right. Who do you trust more, the Warriors' offense or the Celtics' defense? If Rob Williams were 100% healthy, which I don't think we any of us think that's possible, I'd say the Celtics' defense. But since it's not, uh, there's, there's uncertainty around that. And I don't know what Boston's going to do. I think sometimes they're going to look big and sometimes they're going to look small. We're going to see how it works night to night because uh, I don't think it's a constant pattern of s- substitutions where these are only the seven guys that we're playing and we're always doing it this way and we'll just see what happens. Uh, I think Ime has shown that he's very flexible, which I love about him as a coach. So uh, if Williams were healthy, I'd pick the defense, but instead I'm going to go Warriors offense. This might be the hardest question. I went Warriors offense too, just because I think if they get hot in one quarter, they could steal a game. Whereas like if, if Boston's defense slips for one quarter, that'll, that'll cost them a game and, and vice versa. So um, like I think Boston's defense at its peak is probably, man, even saying that out loud is kind of weird. I think Boston's defense is better than Golden State's offense, but all it takes is Golden State for one hot quarter and they could steal a game and that's the difference in the series. So I'm going to go with Golden State's offense. Yeah, maybe this version of Golden State's offense, which I still think some yeah. people are having a hard time with because it's like, it's still not what, you know, I don't care what the per 100s are. It's not, it's not as horrifying. I mean, we're talking about Kevin Durant. Yeah. yeah, Kevin Durant is not on the basketball team and Clay is coming off of two years not playing. So I, it's not, yeah. even, yeah. it's not even worth talking about. We already spent too much time on it. Go ahead. What's the bigger deal? Jason Tatum winning his first title or Steph Curry winning his first finals MVP? Worst question of the entire rundown. <laughs> it's a bit of a troll question, but like also <laughs> engagement. People are going to love this one. Yeah, a lot of engagement on this one. Uh, Steph already has a finals MVP. The Western Conference finals MVP. <laughs> he just won it. So we don't even need to bring this up anymore. Uh, the the Steph- only Magic Johnson Trophy Award winner, by the way. Who yeah, else? The nobody only else guy. even has it. So he's the only go. guy who's ever won it. So, so what's up? Uh, <laughs> no one else can say that. <laughs> What if he wins it next year unanimously, back-to-back Western Conference Finals MVP? The If you don't like Steph, you love the he hasn't won a Finals MVP argument. And he should have won it in 2015. It was ridiculous that Iguodala won it. Um, so Tatum, and by the way, even without all that dumb, stupid social media backstory to Steph not having a Finals MVP, um, 
even though State, Steph makes the offense go all of those years. Tatum winning an NBA Finals changes way more of the conversation around Tatum than it would be for Steph, who already is like sneaking into some rare, rare air for all-time greats. So, moving yeah, on. Yeah, Tatum, Tatum winning a title. Like, anytime you join that club, your entire career is different. Ask Charles Barkley. Um, I think the Steph Finals MVP thing is that? honestly what just you, like a... You get some Chris Paul jokes lined up, too? What the fuck? Oh, sorry. Yeah, hey, hey sorry. Honestly, that's probably a better one because Barkley still is Barkley, but it is what it is. But it, like Tatum, Tatum joins that club and he's just it, his career is different from here on out, and that's the way it is. Like Steph's career is already different. I think the the Finals MVP thing is just like a troll talking point. Like it's not actually a serious basketball conversation that people are having. As you, I think, pointed out, like a lot of the people retroactively said they probably should have voted for Steph, and they just got caught up in the Iguodala moment in that series. Um, <laughs> I kind of think it's ridiculous that we even that like we even put that much stock into this like weird award. Like for actually Bill and I were arguing after the pod um after game 7, not really arguing, but uh Tim Bontemps voted for Jimmy Butler to win MVP to win the Larry Bird trophy right in the Eastern Conference. And I actually I actually agreed with him and Bill was like, "No, you should never be able to, you know, to win the award on a losing team." It's all kind of subjective. Like it's just that's the way it is. And like we get caught up in the moment and storylines. Steph was Steph was the reason that the Warriors won that finals like i'm sorry it is what it is he's the best part of the team if he's not there they're not in the finals so like the fact that he didn't win that award to me doesn't make any sense it's mostly just like a twitter and talk show troll talking point so it's definitely hey, real quick, tatum winning all right so we're in agreement on that on the bond temps vote for butler i'm not against the possibility of someone on the losing side having such an amazing series and then maybe not having one guy from the winning team to go ahead and pick so i'm not like I'm not philosophically opposed to ever voting for somebody on the losing side. I would be for Butler, who was terrible for three games. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, hurt I, or not, you can't play as poorly as Butler did in three of the seven games, and then also be like, you know what? Because of what he did in one, six, and seven, he's he's going to win Eastern Conference Finals MVP. I'm sorry, you'd have to fair. do that every single game and lose for me to vote for. That's it. fair. That's fair. But I, 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 the principle alone, like I, I think someone on the losing team should in, in the right circumstance be able to win that award. So anyway, it just tells you how much this award actually doesn't really matter. Uh, all right. Next one. Thank you. What would be the worst possible TV show tease at any point during this series? Okay. So first uh, take, get up, undisputed, like coming back. What do we got? I've thought about sending out a tweet that's like all caps with the guy shouting emoji being like, for the people that needed to hear this, Steph will not pass Michael Jordan if he wins this title. You know, just like, wait a minute, who's who does need to hear that? Is anybody listening to that? Because there's just going to be, I'm just telling you, right after somebody wins a title, a lot of dumb shit gets said. So would you have somebody that would even dare to do some sort of could step, could step surpass MJ's resume? Could you have, like, I'm not saying, like, I would never rule anything out with us idiots. All right. So you would go, here's how you would do it. You come back from TV, you're filling in, you're like, man, wait until they get a load of me. You know, like, you know, Greeny would be sitting next to me. He's like, Ryan Rosillo is here on Get Up this morning. And you had something very interesting to say to the pre-show meeting. And uh, I, I find this shocking. This is this is this is truly shocking stuff. <laughs> what, what was what was your thought on Stefan and the great one, Michael Jordan? And I'd be like, all right, well, hey, ISO cam. Um, I shouldn't have said the great one. That's too Gretzky-ish. Yeah. I'd be like, well, look, you know, MJ won his sixth title in his 13th season. He was 34 years old. Steph just turned 33 in March. He's played in his sixth finals. He's not going to take probably five years off. Um, so he's on the path to perhaps surpassing. So then you start rounding up in a dramatic way. And next thing you know, like 
when you're counting rings for guys every now and then, they'll have three. And then you go, he's probably going to get three more. And you're like, what are you talking about? Like, you can't just, like, that's just going to happen. Yeah, we love giving out rings that way. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we round, when somebody wins a ring, we round up on the next rings pretty quickly. So, oh, I also remember too when Canell and I were doing the show, and I think Canell, it was during the 16 season when they were running. I, he didn't believe it, but he was like, I'm bored. I'm just going to try to come up with something. And he suggested Steph could pass Michael Jordan. So, for anyone who thinks that no one would ever say this, my co host did. And I was like, I don't even think you really believe this. I think you're just, he's like, why can't, why can't he? It was one of those like debates <laughs> on the like, show. Sure. Right. Yeah, sure. Like, I guess. I, I, guess but... I used to love like when we would debate finer points of something, and there was this guy that I used to work with that would say, and nobody would know who he was. So I'm not, it's not worth bringing up, but he'd be like, were you there? Do you know? Were you there? I'm like, if every single point that I'm going to make is going to be countered with, was I there? Then I'm just going to tell you, like, I, I've lost every argument if that wins it. Okay. I could still form an opinion on something that happened without being there. People have been doing it a long time. People are going to keep doing it. Um, but with the step, yeah, it's like one, you I didn't was, play guy. You didn't play guys also, you know, or you don't know ball guy. Yeah. You don't know ball, dude. Yeah, right. I mean, once again, I understand I never played for anyone in the game that anyone ever cared about. I don't understand all the terminology because I never had great coaching uh, and all of those things. And so when the voting starts going around, guys like me who never played are the enemy. And then guys that did play fuck it up way worse than we did. So, you know, whatever. That was a side rant. We're not even part of the open. Let's keep it moving. Yeah. Um, right. Could there be a Steph LeBron thing, though? Could there be like oh, a weird Steph no. LeBron? Yeah. No, you took just, mine. You took mine. Because <laughs> going through it, and if you look at the top 10 that they had on ESPN.com for the top 75 players of all time, Jordan was one, LeBron was two. Look, I'm a, I'm a huge Steph guy. He's not better than LeBron James. So then you got Magic, you got Wilt, you got Russell, you got Larry, you got Duncan, Oscar Robertson, Kobe, Shaq is 11th, Durant is 12th, Hakeem's 13th, Julius is 14. Steph is 16 on this one. I thought I saw a different one where Steph was. This is so hard to start moving up this list, which is stating the obvious. I mean, Steph probably, you know, would he end up passing Durant? Shaq, the Shaq seems like the cutoff here for Steph. Because I think that would be the reasonable, not holy, what are you doing on this tease for a TV show? It would be a, does Steph enter the top 10? And a bunch of people would say, yes, Steph is now a top 10 all-time NBA player. Think about that statement, okay? That's that's insane. But then it's like, okay, do your 10. And once you start getting to Kobe and Shaq, you know, does he jump those guys? Like, that seems almost blasphemous to say. But maybe it's a conversation. Then you start getting Duncan and Larry Bird, and you're like, I don't know. And then you start thinking, like, wait, can I just put him ahead of somebody like Larry Bird? Is that is that possible? At the ringer, is it allowed? Anyway. Well, um, KOC, I mean, I think KOC said if he wins another title that he's a top 10 player of all time. Yeah. Well, all I'm saying is the LeBron stuff. The MJ thing was a joke. The LeBron stuff that will, someone will do it if Steph wins a title. Someone will do, did Steph have a better career than LeBron? And the answer is going to be no. All right. It's just, sorry. Sorry for the Steph fans out there. Okay. Uh, I, I had two real quick. Similar. Okay. Uh, both, both Celtic win scenarios. First one coming up. Who ends their career with more titles, Steph or Tatum? It's going to happen 100%. Uh, 
We know because no, I don't think that one's going to happen. Actually, no. Whenever, no. Whenever a team wins, uh, maybe not exactly that one, but whenever a team wins a title, we always want to turn them into a dynasty. We want to know how many they're going to win. So that's going to be the next. That's going to be the question. Is like, did the Celtics go back to back? Can they win three straight? Like, does over under three and a half rings for Jason Tatum in his career? Like, that's what they're going to do. So, like, I I could see them looping Steph into it, and they're going to be like, hey, can you get four? Um, the other one I had well, the, was, hey, look, who are you talking to on the dynasty thing? I, I agree with you on that one. It's like the start because you know one could just win a title and be like, hey, what an awesome season. This team's great. One of the most remarkable turnarounds we've ever seen with a game and their attitude. Like what the self if they pull this off, this will be one of the single greatest turnarounds for a franchise I've ever seen in professional sports because of how how just meh they were for that long and then to turn into a title winner. Um, but you're right. No one can ever just show up on Monday and depending on whatever day they would win the title. Yeah. No one can ever show up to work the next day in the pre-show going, hey, really good season. It's like, no. <laughs> like, can they be a dynasty? Well, I don't really want to say that, but could they? I guess yeah. they could. All right, Rosillo B-Block, Celts dynasty. And that's why I make fun of it after every team that wins on Twitter. So This one might be better. This is another Celtics win scenario. Coming up, why LeBron should call Steph Curry about playing for the Warriors next season. That's a good one. Although LeBron was hoping it was going to go the other way around where he just started miraculously like complimenting Steph like crazy. I mean, LeBron's had a few this season. He was complimenting Steph like crazy, hoping that Steph would be like, man, LeBron likes me. That's awesome. I should go play with him. Um, Steph was like, I'm good. And then he had the Sam Presti is the best GM ever because the Lakers didn't make yeah. a trade for John Wall. And he was hoping that Presti would draft his kid with all their extra picks. And then the last one was LeBron saying Mark Jackson deserves a head coaching job while they had zero interest in making him the Lakers head coach. Yeah. Hoping that if LeBron said he deserved a job, that because they have the same agency, that Mark Jackson would be getting a job because another owner would be like, man, LeBron James said Mark Jackson should be a head coach. Let's hire him. Even though he didn't have interest in making him his own head coach. So uh, the, LeBron, the sub-tease of that, by the way, would right. be, can LeBron be the new Kevin Durant for the Warriors? After they lose the series, he can, he can get them back to the top. Now, I don't know perfect, about that actually. one. I, would, I think I would shoot that one down on <laughs> the pre-show. <laughs> you would, but I mean, uh, we, we, we've seen what happens in those pre-show meetings. All right, uh, another one. This is actually non-finals related, but, but great. Uh, who would you rather have one, one off next season? You get one of these guys in your team for one, one year next season. Russell Westbrook, James Harden, or Ben Simmons? I hate that question. I... <sighs> All right. The first thing I think of is who still likes to play basketball? And it's Westbrook. <laughs> like two of the three guys don't seem to enjoy it a ton. Uh, at least Westbrook likes playing. And then you're like, would you really go Westbrook? And let's do this non, non-roster based and non-financial decision. Because the financial part of this alone, you probably just take Westbrook and be like, it's only one more year. Yeah. Um, Harden quitting on two teams in a year bothers me. It just does. Call me difficult. <laughs> you mentioned it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's a lot of daunting shit that happens. Like, oh, look at you guys. You're like, you're, you're fishing for some sort of conclusion that you hope is there that isn't there. It's like, yeah, if Doncic quits on two teams in 13 months and starts throwing games and has a Sacramento on his resume, yeah, then we can start talking about Doncic like hard a little bit. And, but until we get there, let's hold off on those comps. They play, yeah. they play similarly, but I don't think they're the same guy for a franchise. Is that fair? Is that okay to say? I think I'd go Simmons because he's young, and I think there's still hope. There's still hope that whatever version of him returns, it's not, it's not Westbrook that's chaos, and it's not Harden who just would be like, eh, I don't feel like doing this now. So 
even though Simmons just decided he didn't want to play, he didn't decide he didn't want to play for Philly. Uh, I don't know. I, that's a, it's a brutal answer. You feel wrong no matter how you answer it. So there you go. There's there's different scenarios that you can play out based on like what team you have that these guys are entering. I think in a vacuum though, like assuming I'm running this team, I'm going to assume that I like this team, that I like the team that I put together. Two of those guys are franchise like terrors. You know, like they come in and they ruin your franchise. I don't think Simmons is that guy. I think Simmons can come in if it doesn't work out, then he honestly just doesn't play, and then that's he doesn't that's it. It's like it doesn't really change anything. Um, but also the upside is there. Like he doesn't have to be the guy either. So you can maybe have like a third or a fourth option role for him, fifth option role. And if he likes that, then there's up some upside there. If you bring Westbrook into your team, yes, he cares. But he's also, there's like, if you have like a, a fringe playoff team, he could also completely tank that and ruin the, t- the chemistry of the team and your season is over. And then with, with Harden, you're right. He can, he can decide after 10 games he doesn't want to be there anymore. At least with Simmons, I know he'll go away and be quiet if things don't work out well. And that's why I would go Simmons. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know that Simmons was was great for two franchises. Like Brooklyn's like, oh, he's not playing, and then Philly. Um, all right, last one here, and I'm going to ask Rudy this: Do you think I'm actually rooting for Golden State? Yeah, I do. You do? Yeah, I do. I think this is so weird. I I view you more as a Celtics as a, as a Warriors fan than a Celtics guy. Like I I don't. It wouldn't even cross my. Like I know some people are like, oh, Ryan Boston Homer. He's not with Bill. Like two Boston Homer guys. I know your background, but I almost feel like you with your like as you've grown up in the last couple of years, like you're more of a Warriors guy than you are a Celtics guy. So I yes, I do think in the back of your mind, like you like Steph, you like Bob, like you want to see them succeed. Wow. Uh now that now there's always the your dad, the, the element of your dad is also involved in this too. And I know like you want him to be happy. I totally understand that. But yeah, I think in the back of your mind that you're rooting for the Warriors. I can't really lose. You know, that's me. I just look at the world and I'm like. I can't lose Mr. Positivity over here because uh, if Steph gets one. The thing is, is that what I try to explain to people is that when Boston, I want Boston to win, but when they lose, I'm not devastated the way I was when I was younger. When Boston would lose big games, shit, the Sox could lose a Blue Jays game in April and I'd be upset. Uh, I, don't, <laughs> I don't process it the same way. You know, I would, blown saves on a Sunday night baseball would linger like a, a grown-ups hangover and on Thursday, I'd still be like, man, if they just didn't walk the leadoff guy. Like, I seriously used to think that way. The Sox could have won Monday, maybe getaway day, Thursday. You know what I'm saying? Like, they could have had, they would have had multiple games since the blown save, and the blown save would still be in yeah. the back of my head. Like, like it lost like, the sting more than the wins. Right. So, <laughs> no, it just, it, once I had the job, it wasn't so when they, <laughs> so if the Celtics were to lose the NBA finals, I'm not going to like walk around the next day being like, oh, I don't want to do anything. Where I would have been like that for multiple days when I was younger, um, pre job, early 20s, mid 20s. Not a lot to offer society, that guy. Uh, but I still want, bought, like, I want to sit there and, and talk on the phone with my dad and be fired up about Boston. And the city is due, man. The city is due. The city needs this right now. Uh, I saw a tweet this morning that was like, so happy for Celtics fans. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. You guys have waited a long time to get back to this point. I'm like, dude. It, like, it has, check, though. Read the room. Get Come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> Like I love, I, I, I love when somebody's <laughs> just won a title and then they win another one like three years later. I'm like, man, the city. It's like uh, the most myopic thing you can do. Just be like, do you realize how bad some of these other cities have had it? Uh, and yeah, I, say that to a T Wolves fan. Oh man, we're both. It's been a long time, man. We're back. Congrats to Celtics fans. I know you had to pay your dues there for a while. Please, 
Yeah, and they've also been in the mix too. Like I it just it just annoyed me. And it was it was harmless. I'm not angry at Boston Sports guy. Like I get it, but come on. The other thing with the Warriors deal on our relationship is that we start first started working together like in the beginning of the thing of Steph. Yeah. So it was Steph all the time. The Celtics had down years. And because I was basically so frustrated with the Celtics for such a long time, just from watching him, it wasn't like, again, it was bothering me, but I would just watch them and go, what is up with this team? That I think I had so much more of the national perspective stuff because the Steph story in Golden State. But it is always funny, like when somebody somebody will respond, you know, like if you do look at, and I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but like when Bill and I do things, this is how like labels and, and just assumptions work with people. Bill and I will release a finals pod. It's like, oh, a couple Celtics guys. And you're like, well, you don't listen. You didn't listen to it. You didn't listen to it at all. You just assume, hey, Ryan's from there. Bill's. I get it with Bill. Yeah. I mean, that's that's part of the brand, you know, and it's not it's exactly who he is. But for me, he doesn't I'm, shy away from it either. Yeah. It's yeah. Like right. Hiding like, something. <laughs> you're the one that downloaded it. What do you think was going <laughs> to yeah, happen? Come on, but to think that I'm sitting there for two hours going, you're right, Bill, fucking green teamer. Let's do this. You don't listen to the podcast. You're just going, yeah. oh, those are two guys. And that's I think, unfortunately, that is a sign of how we handle a lot of things yeah. in society. All right. So, so what's the, so what's the answer? <laughs> Root for the Celtics. Come on. The NBA Finals are here, and so is your chance to score big on FanDuel Sportsbook. Throughout the NBA Finals, FanDuel is giving new customers $200 in free bets, guaranteed, when you place your first $5 bet. Bet the money line, point spreads, player props, and so much more. Plus, you can combine your bets for an even bigger payday with the same game parlay. So I brought this up earlier this week. The Steph Curry over-under on first-quarter points, I just think that he lets the game kind of flow in the beginning, not to Chris Paul levels, and granted, like a couple threes and a foul, and now you're host, but it was eight and a half, and we talked about it. Did we move the line? I don't think so. Um, it's now seven and a half over-under Steph points. It's going to suck if you get, like, if I give that out and it's wrong within two minutes, that's on me. I'm not making any refund guarantees or anything like that. But I feel like he's more likely in this series to kind of facilitate, be the gravity than he would be to just coming out and putting up a ton of shots. Like a different player who just puts up a ton of shots and be like, well, don't even bother with that one. So um, that's kind of the one. And then Boston is now plus four. That line has moved. Almost all of the public bets have been on Golden State. I think it was 87% this morning. But the public money... Um, and again, this is this is above my pay grade on some of the stuff, but uh, the smarts, like some of the stuff that you're reading out of Vegas and be like, hey, some of the smartest bettors are all betting Boston Moneyline first game and also for the series. So it seems like the sharp money, as they like to say, is on Boston. So there you go. Just sign up with the promo code Ryan, R-Y-E-N. If you haven't tried FanDuel, you can see all the lines, all the different stuff that you need because now is the perfect time to give it a shot because the only thing sweeter than watching the finals is cashing in on all the action. Join today with promo code Ryan, R-Y-E-N, and turn a $5 bet into $2,000 in free bets, win or lose. Make every game feel like Game 7 with FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. Must be 21 and older in select states. First online real money wager of at least $5, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is not withdrawable. Free bets that expires 14 days after receipt. See full terms at fanduel.com forward slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-800-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org forward slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com forward slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, PA, Virginia. 
or 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help. Michigan, 1-877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK, 467-369-NEW-YORK. Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789-TENNESSEE or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET, West Virginia. This episode is supported by State Farm. So look, a little rock hit your dude's windshield on the highway. And at first you're like, what is that? I'm like, oh, it's just a little mark. Nope. Now, by the end of the ride, it's a big crack. And it had been a while. So I check out the State Farm app. I go, hey, this is what happened. And the funny thing is, is I was like, do I want to go app first or do I call old school guy? Probably should call. It's like, let's check out the app. Not only did it take a minute to get done, they set up the glass replacement. They told me the estimate ahead of time. Said, do you want to go ahead with it? And I was like, now I understand. It's all in front of me, all done. I didn't even have to talk to anybody. That's how efficient the insurance game has become. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, just like I did, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to somebody. The app was so good, I didn't even need to do that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Anthony Slater of The Athletic covers the Warriors, does a great job, has been on the podcast previous time so let's do it let's do a little nba finals i want to start with this uh i always feel like steph is this is this weird player in the way we talk about him at times i mean you know whatever i mean maybe it's not weird but you get the point in that like there's a standard that we hold him to because of some of the stuff that he's done in the past that's almost impossible so here he is he's 26 a game he's 45 from the floor in the playoffs um, the three-point shooting is pretty much in line with what he's been for his career. There's some numbers that may dip a bit, but the metrics are really good again. The rebounds, the assists are there. And yet, as you point out, it's almost like, yeah, has he been awesome? And then you're like, oh, I guess he kind of has been. So who is Steph now as a player in comparison to maybe nuclear Steph that was like 47% from three? I think he's a more complete player. You know, they've talked about it this season, like year 13 is his best defensive season, which I mean, I, I didn't go through NBA history, but I'm not sure how many guys we can be like, yeah, year 13 is when they, you know, were at their best defensively. Um, just stronger, the conditioning. I think you continue to see it, especially, you know, you look across the league at the Hardens, Luca, even in that series, just the way a lot of these guys deeper in series, deeper in the playoffs in the season tire out, or maybe they show up to camp, not necessarily in the best shape. I mean, that's a story in the league now. Steph doesn't. I mean, Steph has been in, insane shape every day I see him for the last however many years. And I do think even if the numbers, particularly the shooting percentages are not unanimous MVP, Steph, he is 
I believe, beginning to develop the narrative that LeBron kind of has, which is the longevity. I mean, he's going to age really, really well. And I just, I think you can already see that coming. And, and, and a few more seasons ahead, you know, as long as he avoids injuries, that this is the beginning of that really elongated prime that is going to be such a part of like LeBron's legacy, Chris Paul's even now. And, and that's what's happening with Steph, I think. I think his driving is the best I've ever seen. And when I think back to the 16 collapse in the finals, um, you know, and there's some conversation about how he may have been slightly limited physically, uh, not to take anything away from Cleveland because what they did in those last three games with Kyrie and LeBron is like otherworldly stuff. So I felt like there was a difference that was exposed at times. You go, you know, some of these bigger wings are still just going to have a better time getting to the rim. And where Steph, if he doesn't have an angle where everybody's thrown off by the shot or him shaking somebody with his dribble, like him finishing at the rim is not going to be the same. When I watch him now, it's it's it feels like much more of a weapon in his game than before something kind of had to break down like i feel like he finishes better he ends up on the floor all the time which is a little alarming long term but i don't know if you see it that way he just look the shoulders the body type there just seems to be more of a threat there that he can finish against some more contact than he could just six years ago he's buffer you know and there's been somewhat of a you know, especially as he was going through that, you know, weird slump this season, you know, some of the fans are like, you know, he, he got too swole. He can't shoot now. And, you know, he would laugh at it because he, he really does follow everything. Um, but he just laughed at the idea. Like he was like, trust me, I know I would know if, you know, my my added weight affected my shot. He says it doesn't, but it certainly has helped him on the drive, absorbing contact. You mentioned him falling. A lot of that is because he's willing to jump into a big, I think, a little bit more. Take the hit, fall down, believe he can finish through contact. Uh, which is a main thing. And then I think the other thing, starting really in, I'd say, 2019 finals, KD goes down, Clay eventually goes down, Nick Nurse goes really overloaded, boxing one, throw everything at him. I think a lot of coaches around the league, when that happened, and when the Warriors roster then devolved into what it did afterwards, were like, let's just overload, go crazy, don't give him any threes, you know, chase him with two bodies out to 33 feet. And he had to adjust. I think it's part of the last couple of seasons has been adjusting to those type of defenses. And one of those things is like, I can no longer get a 32-footer anytime I want. I need to always, you know, go to the rim to loosen the defense up. So I just think it's it's the strength, but also just him adjusting to the defenses. Yeah, I thought part of that shooting slump was, okay, this is this is ridiculous how I'm being defended. And it's that balance for the superstar for any team. You know, the real superstars going, I can't pass out of the double and pressure every single time. Like, I have to take some shots here. And that's something I don't envy for any of these dudes because there's a lot of times that really smart, great players are making the right play. But it's like, if you take two shots in a really important fourth quarter of a game, then people are going to be like, what's wrong with you? And I thought he was pressing a little. I thought the chase for the record screwed him up too. Uh, I think you would agree with that. And then I also thought what was funny about last year on some of the shooting was because he knew he didn't really have any help. I thought it was the most flopping I'd ever seen from Steph. And what also makes me like him is that he he did it. And now that he knows he doesn't have to do it as much this year, it was like this weird year where he goes, I guess I'm just going to start falling down like other guys do and initiate contact at the landing. And then it was like it went away once he realized he had his dudes back. Yeah, there was a funny moment in Portland preseason game number one. And I remember I even talked to Steph uh, before a shoot around of their first preseason game and Kerr a little bit. And the storyline at that time, you could probably remember, is uh, the new 
you know, rules on the perimeter where if you kick your leg out or, you know, you do the hard and stuff, like refs are not calling it. And Kerr's big thing is like, they're they're maybe not going to make that won't be a whole season thing, but man, they cracked down on it early, right? They want to make refs like to make a statement early, and he did a flopping like kind of kick out three, fall down, look at the ref, and he gets up to look at the ref, and Steve, you know, you usually see Steve come over and like join Steph in the argument against the referee. He starts joining the referee in the argument against Steph. They're both like, you cannot do that this year, and you know, really, ever since that, you you have seen, I think, less of what you're talking about. Except that people started calling it again uh, after. It was a nice little run we all had there. We enjoyed it. Um, but I, I would watch it consistently and be like, oh, it's creeping back in. There was like yeah. a couple things that maybe they were a little harder on. And the thing that sucks is if you're a player that is built on that, even though I don't uh, respect you, <laughs> when, when you can see certain games where you're like, oh, wait, you guys just decided tonight I'm not getting these calls, it completely screws guys up. But again, that's that's not the case here. Yeah, I think, you know, the the point guard stop 80 feet from the hoop back into the defender and fall down. I think they've maybe called that a little bit more. But, I mean, you're generally right. All right, let's talk about some of the stats that matter here. Because offensively, um, Boston, after the All-Star game, uh, was incredible. They were the best offense. Um and Golden State was a mess. I don't know what to do with any of the after all the post All Star break numbers for Golden State because it just doesn't mean anything. They went eleven and twelve. Boston went seventeen and five um, in the playoffs right now. Golden State has the best offense. I mean, that's what a crazy number for Boston. Boston's offense is eighth in the playoffs, and their points per one hundred dropped over ten points from where they were at post All Star break. So look, that's that's the playoffs, but it's also something that slowed down with them a little bit. But the defense is still really good. Were there any numbers that you were digging through here that you felt like meant anything? Because again, a lot of the playoff stuff is also matchup based, so you could still be misled thinking that you understand where these teams are statistically. I do think the Warriors like number one offensive rating is uh, you know informative because as you mentioned. A lot of their lineups they're playing in this playoffs for this is the first minutes together. I can remember the last time I was on your show, we were talking about that small ball lineup because it was like two games into the Denver series. They'd never played it together. It was like they have a 119 rating basically on the court. We're like, is this the greatest lineup in history? And now it's like Steve Kerr's afraid to play it because they've discovered it's too small. Uh, and I just think the playoffs, particularly the Denver series and then early Memphis series was like discovery of, of lineups that work, lineups that don't. Because, I mean, as you know, you know, Steph, Dre, Clay, 11 minutes together, all regular season. Like, you know, so much of what they're doing now, they just, it didn't, like they couldn't do it in the regular season. So the fact that I think, you know, Memphis, particularly the back half of that Memphis series is a very good defense. Dallas had been a good defense. Denver's its own story. But, you know, I think I saw a stat that, in the non-garbage time of the Dallas series, they had like a 120 offensive rating, something like that. I mean, this this machine's working pretty well right now. Um, and that, to me, matters going up against Boston, which will be the best defensive team that they've seen. But to me, kind of compares a little bit to, to what Memphis could do when, when after Morant went out. From the Boston side, I'd almost ask you, I mean, like, what has been going on with their offense? Because, you know... You, you talk a lot, you know, I'd be going around pregame talking to like, you know, Warriors people and they always want to talk about the other conferences series as, you know, second round, I'd be going around talking to like one of their execs and it'd be like Boston and five. Boston. There was so much confidence from the Warriors side about what Boston was becoming, but it would always be like, well, you said Boston and five, you know, why are they struggling with Milwaukee? Why is it suddenly a game seven? Why are they struggling with Miami? There, I think there was some surprise that 
it wasn't more dominant from Boston on the other side of the bracket. The offensive stats, I think you can point simply to 14 games against Milwaukee, Miami, you know, that to see that fall off. And that kind of gets back to like, you know, some of the earlier series where it'd be like, look at Milwaukee's numbers. Like they played Chicago, you know, like look at look at what Miami's done. All right, they played, <laughs> they played Atlanta. Uh, but we do know that those are two really good defenses. I don't know how much of this is real and, and what it means. And I know in the preview that you have with some of the Celtics guys, uh, it's it's a storyline, but I don't have the answer to it. Was there still some hesitation of are we really these guys? Uh, despite the regular season turnaround that was epic for them and then being in the playoffs and some of this group falling short, which again, I don't think really mattered because I think those teams are sort of overmatched when they were younger. Um, it was, was there something that they needed to do to break through? I would have thought that was game six in Milwaukee and then to close out the Bucks at home, that they wouldn't have had to then flirt with disaster with Miami. It does linger in my head that will this be something similar where it's Golden State is so comfortable with this? Like that part of this is, like Boston may win the series, but I don't know that we'll ever see, oh, Golden State wasn't ready for this. That seems absurd. Where will that leak back into it? I also think that one of the biggest things with the Celtics offensively that they did figure out, especially once they changed personnel, was, okay, like we see with all the stars, selling out two against that guy, he's going to make a play off of it. Taking um, Josh Richardson out of the equation was smart. Taking Schroeder out because it just didn't make any sense because then he would just try to dribble forever and and ISO on his own. Um, And having other pieces that wanted to move the ball were a little bit team-oriented off of those double teams. That seemed to work, and I thought it regressed at times. Uh, again in the playoffs and especially when teams would pack the paint and you know you sag off at Derek White uh, although he burnt Miami towards the end of that series on hitting some big shots but they're just you know, people can get mad at Tatum for not taking shots there just wasn't a lot of room to drive and they can get a little stagnant when they're waiting for him to bail them out it is it is not where Golden State still almost I always feel like the great thing about Golden State is they still trust all five guys in those big moments and it didn't seem like there was a trust factor. It looked like some of the players maybe didn't trust themselves as much in some of those bigger spots to close the game offensively. I think Derek White, you, you kind of alluded to it there, but like he's the, his offense is big in the series because the Warriors will dare him. Uh, you know, they did it. I, you know, I'd wrote a preview and kind of put it in. Uh, but they, it, the second matchup was the only one that Derek White was involved in. Boston won it pretty easily. But Derek White goes 0-8 in that game, 0-5 from three. First possession, he's on the court. He just, to, you know, it screamed what their strategy was because Kaminga's on White on the left wing. Poole is on Tatum on the right wing. Obviously, you don't want Poole on Tatum. But Mike Brown immediately gets out of his seat and yells at Kaminga, like, go double. Get off Derek White, doesn't matter. Kaminga runs over, doubles. The ball has to get swung. Derek White, wide open three, you know, short rim, bad miss. Uh, and then, you know, you, you continue to watch the game. Pool's on him mostly. They're telling Pool kind of those soft closeouts, like let him shoot the three and kind of throw the hand up late. He's a hiding spot for Jordan Poole, who, you know, the Warriors want him to survive defensively to use him offensively in the series. And I just think he's the selected, the guy when he's in the game, you can selectively double, throw an extra body at Tatum or Brown. Um, so if he does what he did late to Miami, I think Boston's got a much better chance of you know thriving offensively. Okay, what is it to the the Celtics' record against Golden State during this run? Uh, and I know that some people have pushed back on it, saying, "Well, wait a minute, four of the wins I think were when it was a a fraction of this group." But then it's like, okay, but everybody else in the NBA played them during that time too. And if Boston's the only one that has a winning record against them, what is it to that? Like, what do you have any? 
thoughts that Warriors people have shared with you on what this matchup means and, and why it's been Boston that's been more successful than others? Big wings, defenders, shot blockers a lot of times. Uh, that's historically given the Warriors more trouble. I mean, like, you know, and I think I can say it now, they were more fearful of like what Memphis was compared to what Dallas was and, and just what Memphis presented from a almost like reckless defensive standpoint, like they're overselling for turnovers. They're you know, Jaron Jackson's flying over. He might foul you, but he also might block your shot. So when Steph's going to the rim or Poole's going to the rim, it's like, a, wait, wait, where's Jaron Jackson? Suddenly they get against Dallas, which, you know, I think a lot, you know, has a, at times, safer scheme. And, and But it's like, you know, you're not fearing Maxi Kleba. You're not, um, you know, struggling to just pass it from one wing to the other because some wing is like really, you know, I, I guess denying ball really hard. It's just athletes and youth. And I think Celtics have always had that, you know, obviously with their two young wings. But beyond that, smart as a Curry defender, um, they I just think they profile as a, as a pretty solid defense. What is interesting, though, about the pat, you know, Steph Curry's kind of gone off the last few years. You know, you look, I think he had like a 40 something, like an 11 three night uh, last season, I think it was. And then I guess the last Kyrie season with Boston, I think he had like a 49 point night. So it's not like they just shut Steph down, but, you know, historically they do play the Warriors better than most teams. Is there anything to the smart injury on Curry? Like anything lingering there, or these guys? No, because they'd rather talk about the Dylan Brooks foul at this point. You know, that's the one. Like, I think they're like, yeah, man, that Marcus Smart play was like, you know, a little dangerous. And the Brooks foul happened. They're like, whoa, like that is the type of foul that we can't have. Um, you, no, I, I don't think so. I mean, even Draymond said it. I remember Draymond walking down the tunnel post game, kind of telling people like, hey, you know, like that wasn't that bad. That's Marcus Smart. And then he came in and kind of gave his messaging post game. But he, Draymond is probably going to have two or three plays in this series that are bordering on something like that. And I think they know that. So maybe you hear Steve Kerr say something early in the series because they want to get the referees, you know, in the storyline, like, hey, watch out for Marcus Smart's like defensive tactics, uh, just strategically. But I don't think they're sitting there thinking like Marcus Smart is dirty at all. He'll probably get booed. I will say that in chase, but that's more the fans. Okay, let's let, ask about some of the other lineup stuff here. So Gary Payton is going to be back. It's not necessarily, we don't know game one, but the plan is that he's going to be back here soon. Yeah, um, he's... He's the type of dude who, like, you know, you give him the medical green light and he's like, all right, I'm on the court the next second. I remember preseason, he was trying to make the roster and he was coming off a hernia issue where he was not really ready to play, but he had not won the spot. The Stars wanted Avery Bradley. It was this whole drama within the team. Uh, and he's like, all right, I got to get out there and, like, show something. He came out, he came out still kind of hobbling on a hernia issue and had 11 just unbelievable minutes up and down the court. Like, yeah, four dunks, I think. And he won the roster spot then. And I just think he's... He, he's If this was Kaminga going through an elbow fracture, I think they would have said, you know, shut down for the season, you know, protect his future. This is 29-year-old unrestricted free agent Gary Payton who's just cracking the league. So, I, you know, he is pushing the play. And I do expect to see him in the first couple games. The big question with him, he actually became a respectable three-point shooter this season. But he cracked his left elbow. That's his shooting elbow. And like they're they're just saying today, the day we're talking, they're going to let him stretch his three-point shooting back out to like three-point range today in practice. So like this guy has not been able to shoot a basketball for, you know, a month now. So I mean, if I'm Boston, if he does play in the game, like I'm trying to bait him into threes early just to see does he trust it? Does he have any type of rhythm? Um, because I mean, that is that's that's not an easy injury to come back from. 
No, that was nasty. I hated watching that. Like now I, when I know what's coming again, and I, I made this, it's not a joke. It's just an observation that when we see leg injuries, people get freaked out about them being replayed. But then we see Peyton's elbow go the way it did and just break on landing. And it's like, no, it's cool because it's an arm. We can watch it over and over and over again. Uh, Porter ready to go game one, right? Seems like they were having him. I saw post-practice. He's out there like sprinting yesterday. I mean, maybe they'll be careful because they have two extra off days after one. But um, I think we will know more post-practice today. My guess would be Porter, yes. Iguodala is such an unknown. Every time I think he might be coming back, he hasn't. But I, I, I do think you will see Andre Iguodala one more time this season, which means one more time probably in his career. Yeah, three games against Denver uh, and about 17 updates on his status. <laughs> yes. He played 42 o- minutes 17? against them. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, 17's low. So, all right, I guess you kind of answered that part. So let's let's talk size. Uh, if I'm picking Boston, I'd go... They have real playable size. Not, hey, cool, I'm glad you're tall. Thanks for rebounding and screening and stuff, but now the game is in the balance and you're not going to see the court. Uh, Horford has faced the most isolation, so I don't know if people still think they can go past him, um, but they can't. And uh, the numbers in one of your preview point that out. Um, And then you have the loony part of this where your uh, colleague, Marcus Thompson, pointed out that he's grabbing almost 22% of available rebounds in the playoffs, which is 44th all time in playoff history, which is, which is saying something and he's kind of found like, that's what I love about the playoffs is sometimes you'll think, okay, this is how the roster will work. These are the rotations. This is what's going to happen. And then just basketball happens. And all of a sudden, like somebody who you didn't think could be played gets played. And the same thing with Adams in that Memphis series, somebody who'd been banished. It's like, wait a minute, maybe we can go big here against Golden State. I don't know if that means anything in this series here. So it feels like Boston has real playable big options. And I think at times it's going to look like an advantage. I think at times it's going to look like Boston goes, you know what, let's just keep Horford out there and go small around it because of how Golden State's flying. I think both things are going to happen. I just don't know which one's going to happen more. Yeah, I think Robert Williams is like a huge swing factor in the series. Um, You know, he... I remember before that March game, the one that Steph got hurt. By the way, they were terrible offensively in the 14 minutes prior to Steph getting hurt. It's like late second quarter. They have 25 points. A lot of that was Robert Williams just roaming around and like, you know, it was pre-meniscus injury and he was like super quick laterally up in the air. He he got a couple blocks on Jordan Poole that were um, like really acrobatic. But that's obviously not the Robert Williams we're currently seeing. It's, you know, talk about 17 updates for Iguodala. I feel like it's just knee soreness questionable, knee soreness questionable. Um, If he's not right, that I think negates some of Boston's size. But if he is, like to me, that's that's a game changing factor. Jaron Jackson, 15 blocks on the Warriors in that Memphis series. Robert Williams, that type of shot blocker. So, you know, I think that matters. Um, So if Robert Williams was healthy, you would pick Boston, is the sense. Yeah. I I, like get like really healthy, like seven full games of like unrestricted minutes. And he was like blocking shots like he did in the regular season. I think I would. Yeah. So how do you think it'll play out? Because the, the fifth spot is still kind of a question mark and may change throughout the finals for golden state, right? Of the closing group. It would be, it would be Wiggins, Curry, clay green. And then what do you think is even possible with that fifth spot? I think, I mean, at this point, going into the series, at least, like, Looney's kind of won it. Like, Looney's been really good, as you mentioned. Um, 
But that requires Looney and Draymond to survive together offensively, which is like that's their that was their big fear going into the playoffs. That was their big fear against Memphis, where they just separated them, wouldn't put them together, and then suddenly by the late in the series, like Draymond and Steve Kerr are de- or Steph Curry are demanding, like, look, just start him. Like I know it's kind of a wonky fit in 2022, two complete non-shooters, but they like playing together. That is their best defensive lineup. And Looney made it work because, you know, like you say, he's grabbing back an insane amount of offensive rebounds uh, and he's scoring better. I mean, it's, you know, I don't know if it, how much of it is this work that he's done with, you know, Nikolai Jokic's Serbian coach, Dejan Milojevic, who was really brought on to work with James Wiseman, but hasn't really been able to work with James Wiseman. So worked a ton with Looney. And like suddenly it's like more up and unders, more creative finishes, obviously the offensive rebound putbacks. But that has allowed, I think, him and Draymond to play together. Draymond was also much more aggressive in the Dallas series. I think he had double digits in, well, I think it might have been all five games. Um, that's going to matter because, you know, if you're Boston, you want to get everything to where it's Looney having some type of contested layup or Draymond in the floater range. And and like they need to punish them because I think that's the shots Boston's really good half-court defense is going to end up giving up more often than not. Yeah, I mean, Draymond being at 30% from three, just keeping you honest on the, you know, like I felt like, you know, he's still taking less shots. I mean, this is somebody who took 10 shots a game during the 16 run in the playoffs. And now, you know, the last couple of years, he's six, seven, six, and under six this season. But the numbers would tell you he's not been more aggressive. I feel like he's at least looking at the rim in a way where other stretches, it felt like it wasn't even an option. So, you know, a couple threes, I felt like he had a couple against Dallas where if you're Dallas, you're like, oh, like, you're going to be kidding me. Even though the He's, numbers aren't like the numbers don't scare you, the, the boss is still going to sag off of him the entire time. I just felt like he had a couple of shots in that series that felt kind of like what he used to be like back back in his early playoff days. They're demoralizing, you know, because he hits it. The crowd, <laughs> the crowd loves when he hits it. Joe Lacob always stands up and gives like one of those, yeah. And then he looks over at the bench and he's yelling like, "Get out on me!" Get out on me. And they're like, we're not getting out on you, but damn. Like, the, you know, that, like you said, that is the shot we wanted to give up. And now he's going to yell at us about giving it up. Um, but if you, you know, you mentioned the stretches where there is more aggression, less aggression. Like he, he has toggled back and forth in these playoffs. You go look at the Memphis series, the first, yeah. I think, five games, he's sitting at five points or fewer, like low amount of shots. Yeah. He was a major offensive problem in the series. I don't know if it was the fact that apparently Kendrick Perkins went on ESPN and had some. Uh, thing about how Draymond was scared to shoot. and But, you know, he then in game six of that series got hyper aggressive, had a really nice offensive night and then came on the podium and lit into Kendrick Perkins, uh, had a little back and forth. But ever since then, it's, you know, double digit points per game. He's going to shoot a three or two. Um, and it's just like, you know, like that open, it, they aren't 12 massive points that you're going to, you know, I'm going to write about, like, that's the story of post game, but like that just, they're almost unbeatable when he's in double digits. Like just historically, you just look at the numbers, 10 plus points. You're not really from Draymond. You're not really beating the Warriors. Yeah. I, it always is like ridiculous to go back and look at it too. I mean, in 15, he took four threes a game, hit 34%. In 16, he took three a game, hit 39%. And then it went off a cliff. Like at 17, he was still taking them but 31% and then it just slowly, slowly. And, you know, some of that is the team construction in 15 and 16 prior to KD's arrival. But, I mean, think about that. Draymond, three attempts a game in the playoffs, 39% from three. And that seems like a completely different person. I think that guy's gone. 
Yeah, I mean, dude, there was some stat, and you know, of course, he he put it up on his Instagram. He loves to to hype some of his stats, but it was like he has 150 career playoff threes, and Dirk Nowitzki has like 148. I mean, obviously, it's very era dependent, but I think people forget. No, nope, like, I think that solves it. I, I never realized that he's a better shooter than Dirk. There you go. Yeah. Well, Carl yeah, Anthony Towns also is, um, but it's. He used to hit a bunch of threes. Remember game seven against the Cavs? They lost the game, but didn't he have like 33 points, hit like seven threes or something like that? Like he was their offensive player in that game. Like you said, I think injuries have caught up. Uh, you know, he had a shoulder issue, hip issue that kind of jacked up his shot. Um, and he's just never rediscovered it. You're right. He's 15, excuse me, 32 points, 15 boards, nine assists, six to eight from three, 11 to 15 overall. Yeah. That was game seven. And how many points did the Warriors even have in that game? Not that many. No, I was I had it on the other night. It's 89 points. Yeah, um, and he has 32 of them. Can you imagine that game playing out in 2022? <laughs> Usually now it's like 120 points that Draymond has seven of them. Uh, is there any... No, wait, before I do kind of the bigger picture final thing, in your, and I already know your pick, but we'll share it here with the audience here in a second. Uh, pool, I get the sense from you that it could be a little feast or famine there. Obviously, he's going to get his chance here, um, but these are different wings. You know, like I wonder if Jalen Brown is going, okay, cool. Like maybe Clay isn't there defensively because because Jalen, I thought wanted to stop dribbling towards the end of the Miami series after what was a great scoring night uh, in Game Three. In Boston, the final numbers were great, but he was, he, those were some awful, awful turnovers in that game. And then, you know, it becomes more apparent to the opponent, like, wait a minute. Hey, whenever he drives, just, just attack, you know, swipe down at the whole thing. Um, maybe this is better for him with the perimeter options that he could be attacking here. But I, I'm just kind of curious how pool factors into all this, because clearly he's so good offensively, he'll get a chance. But I'm I'm wondering if there's a weird thing where maybe he's not closing. You know, you mentioned Looney a little bit before. I think we'll see a couple different forms of this. But kind of where's Pool fit into this one now, knowing that against Dallas, it's just basically contesting threes. Yeah, I mean the thing about Dallas is it was we're getting switched on to. Yeah. yeah, relentless picking on him. They wanted to get him right. switched. Now the Warriors, you know, we're doing hedge and get back, but that still presents its own, you know, challenges of, uh, you know, you have to be locked in and physical defensively, which typically Pool isn't, where you got to go kind of like hit Luca, get back to your guy. And that's really hard because not only was it, you know, Luca trying to get the switch on you, but like they just, their offensive strategy is like just give a little window. Luca's going to make an absolutely pinpoint pass, open three, they're going to shoot it. Whereas, I don't know, to me, Boston isn't as, mismatch uh, thirsty and and you know you even talk to people around Boston uh, that cover the team and it's like they a lot of times are worse when they go like when they start really trying to go mismatch one-on-one style like everything kind of bogs down a little bit um, so maybe they're not as well built to just you know kind of pick at the scab that is you know Jordan Poole out there um, also because I think the Warriors are more willing to slide over and help maybe send selective double teams off guys because I just don't think they fear that like three-point machine that Dallas was, where it was like you sag off a little bit, it's like bing, bing, three's going up. Where, you know, I mean, Boston can beat you from three, but it's just, to me, it's just a, a different type of attack where I just think they can help pool maybe a little bit more than they could against Dallas. But, you know, the Peyton inclusion, to me, might shave his minutes because it Steve Kerr and Mike Brown, they, they, they tilt defense when they can. And 
if Peyton really is available and playing well, I mean, as you saw against Memphis when they started Peyton, like I think they would prefer that in this type of series. Okay, final thought before we get your pick. The Clay performance against Dallas just felt like, okay, this is this is something, you know, these those clay moments where he takes over a game, because Steph wasn't even, you know, you didn't really almost need him in game five to close out Dallas there. I feel like there's been more clay moments of, uh-oh, is this guy back? You know, I don't think he's back defensively at all, but offensively, where are you at with him? He's He just has those big nights in his holster. I don't think they're as common as they used to be. Sometimes his his, like, you know, desire to summon game six clay at, you know, almost at all times can hurt them. I mean, there are games where you're like, he's taking some shots and you're almost on pressure. Like, Ooh, that one was rough. Like the leaning mid ranger as he's going to the baseline and you look over at Steve Kerr and he's just like, ah, God, clay, you know? Um, but because he's always trying to shoot himself into a hot streak. I mean, that's just what he does. I mean, yes, there's the eruption night uh, to close out Dallas. There's also the six of 18 night. Um, so, but they, you know, like they're living and dying with, with how he operates. And the truth is, like the bigger the moment, usually the bigger he is, which, you know, you that's typically, you know, opposite of of I wouldn't even consider him a role guy, but you know, kind of a role guy at times. Um, so you know, you just trust if you're the Warriors that two out of these six or seven games, he's gonna score thirty-three points. You know, the other ones he's gonna score, you know, fifteen on low efficiency. He's not getting to the line. He especially against a long defense, he's not gonna be great inside the arc. But if he just gets hot from three, and you usually know early, like it's, you know, we talk about different ways it's difficult to beat the Warriors if Draymond has 16 points, something like that. If Clay just goes off and has 33, like, you know, that's just, they're tough to beat because it's tough to stop him when he's hot. What's your pick? I said Warriors in seven. I do think home court matters. I think these first two games matter. Just the rest advantage that the Warriors are going to have. But if Warriors lose game one, I'm ready to change that pick quick because I'm not, like, I don't feel really strongly. Usually if you pick a series in seven, you're like, meh, you know. Tilt into the home team, I guess. <laughs> I know. A lot of times you pick a team seven, it's like you definitely think the other team's gonna win. You know, if especially if it's your team, not even as a like as a as a media member, but as a fan. Like when a fan's like, ah, you know, my team in seven. You're like, yeah. Because oh. I was hearing that from like a lot of heat people, like, oh, I, you know, I still kind of like heat in seven. It's like that means you don't really like them. Yeah. Uh, no. And it still almost worked. It still almost worked. Uh Anthony Slater, the athletic, check out his preview. It's incredible. A lot of good work there getting you ready for the finals. Thanks, man. Yep, thanks for having me. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. You know what I hate, hate, is after lunch, there's all this time before dinner. I hate it. So I'm always like, do I do this? It's like, you should. Gain season. Throw in a little something extra, an appetizer that just starts hours before dinner. It just gets so frustrating when there aren't great options. That's where Arby's new two for $5 chicken wraps come in. Available in your choice of ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for that afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Food buddies. Arby's two for $5 chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows on over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. 
Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. You want details? Bye. I drive a Ferrari, 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. Today's life advice is presented by Modelo. It could be about love, money, or in-laws. Life is always going to throw some serious challenges your way. And that's why Modelo celebrates people who show resilience and courage in the face of adversity. Modelo, brute for those with a fighting spirit. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Life advice, lifeadvicerr at gmail.com. No statements to be made today, I don't believe. I don't think we have any statements to, to issue uh, post-pod pressers. I don't think anything happened uh, yeah. on, on Tuesday, so I think we're good. Level of interest of Sarudi and Kyle doing a post-Rosillo Show podcast wrap-up. That would be, would we get any downloads on that one, you think? Probably limited. I think it'd be sort of like the clay thing. I think, you know, you hope for two of six, two of seven games to go well, <laughs> but it could be really bad. Yeah, that one game, though, could be sick. Just shoot ourselves into a hot streak. I don't know. That's <laughs> editing. Yeah. Maybe it'll work. I don't know. Yeah, no. I mean, we, we're guilty of it a little bit every now and then <laughs> here. Uh, our Tyson Fury post game was 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 long. Uh, Warranted, though, that one. But <laughs> I um, I think it's kind of funny when, when content plays. Like, I would never tell a show, hey, don't do that. But that's an incredible, like, hey. We needed to we needed to recap what happened on the show, and it's like, well, you, it's just a podcast. Like, I don't. And then Steve goes to Kyle. He's like, you know, I didn't really get his third analogy. That whole thing. He's like, <laughs> it's a little know. smell in your own fart sort of deal. Yeah. yeah. He's like, who's Al Thornton again? Why? Why did he say he was right about Al Thornton? Let me look this up. All right, let's just stop talking and get to it. This one I think applies to a lot of a lot of people out there. A lot. This is. Uh, High dude involvement uh, situation. Okay. Uh, Chris is chiming in here. I, I think we're okay. Avid listener, married 35, two young daughters, clocking in at 5, 10 and a half by lie and say six feet. Put it on my license. Hey, that's, yeah, everybody gets it, man. Here's my dilemma. I've been in a fantasy football league with my buddy since high school, celebrating our 25th anniversary this coming season. Holy shit, 20 bro. years in this league, boys. So that's from, well, I don't know, 15 on. That's, that's how that math works on my end. You guys can double check that. Each year we do our draft in person. and it be, uh, It's become a date we all mark on our calendars because it's such a damn good time. As I get older, I appreciate it even more because I'm able to feel like a goofy kid again. Hey, man, I get it. Uh, this year, we're all headed down to the Jersey Shore to our buddy's beach house uh, for the weekend to host a draft, a little barbecue, play some old school wiffle ball. This is, uh, can I go? Love the Jersey this Shore. Is, yeah, seriously. I, I've never hung out at <laughs> the Jersey Shore oh, ever. Man. Great time. Kyle? Great time. You, you got a quick 60 on uh, the Jersey Shore no, for us? In my youth, just had a great time. Haven't been back since I was adult. I'm really, uh, really excited to go one of these summers. All right. Sounds like that's on the to-do list. So uh, the emailer writes in, we've been talking about this weekend for almost four years now, and we all agreed on a date in August, way back mid-season last year, winter of 2021. So we're talking, you know, these guys are almost 12 months out. My best friend, league commissioner, is one of the two guys living out of state. Uh, he's in Nevada. 
we try to call each other uh, every couple of weeks. And our last call, he casually drops in that he's going to try to make the draft, but his recent promotion at work is making it difficult. I immediately called him out on his bullshit, citing we all agreed to this date last year. And we've been talking about the 20th anniversary draft for years now, and we barely get to see each other in general. To his credit, he did just get promoted. He's also uh, He also just got married. Ah, come on. Mm. We know where this is going. <laughs> um, they were both impacted significantly from COVID. Uh, based on their line of work to be clear though the plane fare is not the deciding factor i get all of that but also but i'm also juggling two young daughters building a business all while getting uh, a degree so he's going to grad school here business uh, degree i'm also the reigning league champ so i'm planning on touting the championship bell all weekend long <laughs> truth mm-hmm. comes out yeah what's the protocol here do i push him into coming or do i sit back and let it be uh, in general, what's your thoughts on how to handle your best buddy showing up to big events as we get older? I'm crazy busy, but I always plan my year out and ensure you plan your year out. There's a disconnect right there. <laughs> yeah. You plan your year out. I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. <laughs> Pretty sure you're getting don't in know. the water, though. <laughs> Probably going to be in the water, though. Uh, all right. Look, man, um, I totally get where your head's coming at from this one. But here's here's the deal. You should be pumped that this has gone on this long. Because as you get older, this is what happens. This isn't some, like, I can't believe it's gone on this long. I can't believe your crew. Like, we have our crew, right? And we used to get together every year. And then we stop because guys get older. And some guys that'll have kids will have wives that are like, absolutely not. It happens. Sometimes, believe it or not, folks, the guy doesn't want to go. The guy's like, I don't want to fucking go and act like an idiot all weekend and be hungover until Wednesday. Uh... And they don't want to do that, all right? Sometimes people love their family so much, they don't want to be away from them for an entire weekend. So that's another thing. We in our group have given up on all the Boston guys. The Boston guys won't go anywhere. They'll barely cross the fucking street. So whenever the rest of the country is trying to figure out a plan, which we haven't been able to pull off in years, guys have just omitted the Boston guys from even being included. We have another guy who won't go anywhere unless it's a direct flight. If it's a connection, He's out. If we pick a place, he's like, there's no direct flights from where I'm at. That's I'm not going. I think it is insane, too. And he listens to the <laughs> podcast. So, so, yes, I think it's insane that you'll never go do something awesome just because there's a connection. I don't know what happened to him one time in a connection. He hates him a lot. He just refuses to go through Chicago. Right. He just can't do it. There's also, as your friends, as you everybody gets older, you're going to be you're going to be friends with a couple like it's going to be your buddy and a wife. They're going to have two kids, right? And everything revolves around the kids. They're going to stop living in a way. Then there's going to be another buddy that gets married and they have a few kids and nothing changes with them. They're still doing whatever. And they just also have kids. And so everybody handles their own situation a little bit differently. But I would tell you, like, get used to this. Yes, you could give them a hard time. um, But planning it out this far in advance, you're a planner. Non-planners, you know how like planners can't handle non-planners? I think non-planners hate planners even more. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, like when somebody goes, hey, are you good for that spring charity thing? I'm like, what the fuck? Are you, do you know who you're talking to? I'm like, maybe. I actually blew one off last month and I had said yes to it and then I didn't even know. And then by the time it came around, I was like, are you still good to go for this next week? And I was like, oh my God. I was like, yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> like, I, I can't even believe I said yet. Not because I'm so cool. It's just because work for me, fortunately, unfortunately, always comes first. Uh, there's also another little thing you threw in here 
who gives a shit if you're the champ or not? Yeah, that's. But I know that's you give nothing. a shit, but was was are you more upset that he's not showing up while you have the belt? Like, if you would come in fourth, would you be more okay with him not coming? It's probably packaged in there a little bit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think so. Just we love that you listen to the pot. Is there any chance that maybe you're a little annoying? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. But five stars. Yeah, I you know we got to cover all the bases here. We got to make sure we we attack every question and email from all sides. So, uh, I love that you care this much. I love that you want to keep it going for another 10, 20 years. I get it. You get so few of those weekends with your buddies. For me, if I had like a Thursday where I'm like, what are we doing tomorrow night? Do you know how many years it's been since I've had a just casual neighborhood like, hey, what's the plan tomorrow night? It didn't happen. It doesn't happen. It wasn't happening in Connecticut. So then to be like, hey, we've got all of the core guys together for I understand your right to want everyone to keep having to do this. But what you have to accept at some point is there's definitely going to be a guy in that group and usually more than one that says, I don't want to do this stuff anymore or they can't. Or in this case, the guy just got married. So maybe it's the wife. He just got promoted. Maybe it's the job. You mentioned, as you explained, I'm not going to share it all, what they do professionally, like they're back at it right now. And so that might just not work out. And it usually doesn't. It's great when everybody's still committed to it. It's great when you're able to pull it off. But I don't think you can be upset. You can maybe ask one time, hey, can you make this happen? If he says no, you're men, you're grown adults here. Like, what are you going to do? Talk, trick him into it? He's not going to do it. I kind of feel bad about the annoying part. I just think that I wondered why that was relevant to this, so I felt like it had to be addressed. No, I think you're right. I've got I've got one guy <clears throat> in my in my group of guys. I got there's a New York City core, there's Poughkeepsie core, and they all once a summer they all kind of come up and we th- we throw a party and we always make it work. Sometimes we go down to New York City and like a lot of people come. One guy moved down to Florida like five years ago. And just didn't come up the first time he took a bus because he was he's, he's a little cheap, but he could he could make the money. He could he could set it aside if he wants. He took a bus from uh, like Tampa to, to, to Poughkeepsie, New York. I mean, just crazy to try to save a couple bucks. And I think he spent like almost a, a, an entire day on a bus. But um, but then he just didn't. He just wouldn't. And it used I used to get angry because it was like literally everybody else can make this. I think one time I and I and I wouldn't get angry to him. I think one time I called him after a few brews and just was like laid into him a little bit. But we were okay. I was just like, man, what the fuck's going on here? Am I gonna, I'm gonna wait till I'm gonna see you five years from now? I have to I have to fly to Tampa. You're the only one down there. So anyway, um. He so it's it's kind of it's known that he doesn't come anymore. We give him a little bit of shit in the group text, but here's the thing: this is what group texts are great for. Like this is another way to stay in in touch. I think once you just realize that this is going to be the guy that stays in Tampa, what can you do about it? So I think I think you could continue to be annoying, or you can just razz him a little bit in the group text, which you know that's kind of what they're for anyway. But a slight razzing, a slight yeah. razzing, exactly. Yeah. And I think I think that the sooner you uh, admit that and can make it some sort of a an inside joke with you guys, the less like bitter you're going to be every time you make that joke because I think you're pretty upset about it right now. And this is the first time it's happened, so I can see why that's upsetting too. But life goes on. Just um, stay in touch in the group text because we can't all be everywhere uh, at the same time. So what can you do? Yeah, I think you nailed it. Like the first time sucks, and you're like a really deeply offended by it, and then it just becomes like, oh, that's the guy that doesn't really show up on the trips, and you get older, and the trips become less frequent. Like we had, um, like we have been trying for my buddies, like all throughout our twenties or whatever. And I'm in my early thirties now, but uh, 
to like tr- plan a vacation with everybody. And the only time we'd ever get together was for bachelor parties. And that was it. And like, so it was like, all right, you have to go to the bachelor parties, but you don't have to go on the vacation trips if you don't want to. Um, and if one of our buddies didn't show up, like that would be a problem. Like we'd be like, what the hell is going on? I get that you think this is like a bath. This is like kind of like a bachelor party thing where it's like everybody's getting together. We got a beach house. Like we don't do this very often, figure it out. But as you get older, some guys are just not into that. They're not going to do it. They're not going to put in the effort. Um, the bachelor party I was just at, actually, one of the main guys didn't show up because his wife wouldn't let him because they had just like his kid had like a recital or something. I think she was like four, not even four, maybe three or four. Recitals are like, a big deal. Dudes yeah. were like, hey, like she's she's four. Like she's not going to remember this recital that she, that you're that he didn't show <laughs> up to. But it's a big deal. Like so you don't I'm, I'll, I'm, I say that because you shouldn't like prioritize what's important in somebody else's life. Like, I know it sucks for you, but like this guy might be going through some stuff at work. Like you have to respect that. And you know, you don't know what the circumstance is. Um, and you know, I don't, the marriage thing, like, you know, I don't think early on you should be saying yes, your wife should be saying yes or no to things that you do in your social life right after marriage. Like when kid, when you have kids, it's probably a different story, but I'll just say that to say that you don't know like what pressing issues or things he has going on in his work life and his personal life. So like you could razz him a little bit and like mess around with them in the group chat. I wouldn't give him too much shit. I think it's fun. Like a little lighthearted stuff is fun. But like this, this shit just happens. And at some point, like one guy is going to start backing out and he's going to be the guy that backs out. And then it's not going to be as offensive to you anymore. But the first time always kind of hurts the most. How many wives do you think take the rap for guys who just don't want to do stuff? All well, the some time. guys do it on purpose. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. Exactly. Yeah. Like They're just like, oh, Christina, you know. How she is. She maybe she's never said no to anything, and everyone thinks that she's. Just I think it happens <laughs> all the time. All the time. Like people mm-hmm. underestimate mm-hmm. how many dudes are out there going. I actually don't want to do anything, and they just have this baked in excuse. It's like the yeah. it's the new yeah. the new mom won't let me or something. Or like uh, in high yeah. school, it's always like I gotta go home and eat first. I was like, okay, we're not gonna see you again. You don't have to go home and eat first. Yeah, Why I are you doing even... at three thirty? You gotta eat. <laughs> like first? Babe, we got something. Yeah. Weekend, what are right? you talking about, guy? Yeah. I think I remember it even happening once where we like then met up with whoever and we were kind of giving the wife shit. And she was like, what are you talking about? I tell him to go visit you guys all the time. <laughs> I tell him to get the hell out. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So walk around the house like, like Larry uh, David all the time. I've been begging him to go somewhere. Yeah. Sarudi does bring up a good point, though. Shitting on four-year-old recitals never seems to be a good tactic. Yeah. So let's let's refrain from that. Uh, and it's just the way it is. Like every single relationship, whether it's male, female or or dudes or the girls trip crew. There's going to be people in the group where the relationship means more to them than it means to the other person. Like, there's just no, this is, it's never 50-50. Like, I'm a big visitor. I like to visit my friends. I also don't have my own family. If I had my own family, I would do it less. I would care less about it. <laughs> but it's interesting that when I do keep in touch with friends from school, because I think, like, if you're in my friend group, I'm a pretty loyal friend. I look forward to seeing your kids. Like, I look forward, and again, I'm probably in some fucked up deep seated thing in my own head, replacing my void with like, Hey, I want to go play with the kids. Uh, cause I do like kids, but I'll talk to them and they'll say something about another friend being like, Hey, I've been here this long. And so-and-so has never even seen my kids or this guy's never yeah. made the effort and I've gone. So it can get a little weird, but it's also, this is not insightful. This is just the way the world, I have one friend. I forgot about this. I have one friend who there was another friend from the group. This is a different group, right? I've got different pockets of, of core groups. Oh, congrats. Uh, yeah, no, I've got like five or six cores, but they just, they orbit. like five or six friends, dude. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know four people, I think. Uh, and the dude hadn't visited them in forever. And the great thing is both guys are big time, like alpha guys. And they're, they're, uh, they're, you know, they were kind of like center of attention guys, right? And they, they had a lot to back it up. 
They're both huge dudes. And one guy goes to visit the other guy the first time in forever. And within five minutes, he's pitching him on a cult. <laughs> the guy, <laughs> the other guy is like, hey, motherfucker, you don't even know my kids' names. Get the fuck out of here. It's a recruiting trip for you, pal. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously. Like he was like, hey, I'd love to catch up. Love to catch up. I haven't seen the kids or whatever. And they were kind of like, oh, wow, that's great. This is awesome. Like somebody wants, to, he, he's, he's maybe making some amends for being out of pocket and never being around and whatever the hell else was going on. And then he shows up and he just starts in on this pitch because he also pitched a different buddy of mine who almost was like ready to bite. He's like, have you heard about this thing? I'm like, yeah, it's not really new day. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. Uh, Interesting thoughts, but I'm just not not really quite ready to throw my clothes out, write you guys a check, <laughs> hang out in the woods for a month. All right. Uh, no offense to any of the cults listening. No, yeah. Well, the, the, really quickly, too, There's, I think you guys would agree with me. There's two camps kind of when you get older. There's the guys who get really comfortable with their life and don't really want to do anything else anymore. And then there's the guy that wants to get away from his life and wants to do every single trip. Right. So there's the guy that's like, I just got to get away from my kids and my wife. And he's like the one that gets after him on a weekend away with the dudes. And there's the guy that you have to basically drag out of his place to get him to hang out with your friends. I think like as you get older, you kind of become I'm not saying like completely one of those two camps, but you kind of lean one way or the other in those two camps. And it sounds like you're in the camp where like I want to get after it. And this guy's in the camp of like, I kind of want to hang out at home. Yeah. And look, I'll also throw this out there, too. Like. Saruti touched that. You never know the full scope. Like maybe it's just as simple as the guy doesn't want to be able to make it, and it could be that. All right. Uh, we talked about the wife girlfriend element of it, where they're getting blamed. A lot of times, the guy doesn't want to go, but you, there can always be other stuff going on with the dude. Like I remember one guy for a little while. We're like, "What the fuck? Why won't he hang out with us anymore?" And then it came out that he was like, "I actually quit drinking," and I just couldn't. We're like, "Oh shit!" And you know, and then you're like, "Well, you should have told it," but it's like, "Well, that's his thing. He doesn't want to. He's going to tell us when he needs to tell us." And he'll share it when he feels comfortable in sharing it. And to get to that point of of not wanting to be around your friends, like who are who's anyone? Like you feel so bad about it after the fact because you didn't know because somebody told you. But like that's his, you know, not to sound what it, weird here, but like that's his own journey of of figuring out what he wants to do. And so that'll look that'll probably happen um, to other people that are listening to this at some point too. All right, uh, female listener, she says we don't have many. Our female demographic has smashed through the yeah. suggested ceiling that people had for this. We're podcast. up like three hundred percent on on female emailers here recently. Yeah, so. femaleers. Yeah, that's real. Emailers. That's there real. you go. <laughs> yes, good one, Kyle. <laughs> Thanks. Just when you thought Kyle was having a C plus show, ouch, ouch, ouch! I thought I had. I Never. honestly thought no. I had the best. Um, whatever. Fuck you off. did. You always have the best. Your your advice yeah. is better than everybody else. His be, floor is a B easily. Okay. Yeah, right. Yes. <laughs> this, is my, this is my friend Kyle. His floor is a B. I'll take two course lights. That would be a great way if all of us just introduced each other that way. Our floor ceilings. Yep. Yep. Uh, all right. Back to the femaler. Back to the femaler. I'm one of you apparently we already covered this. Uh, I just started working for my friend's painting company a few weeks ago in a summer break. And I know you talk about working construction job in the past. I thought this uh, gave me my first good excuse to write into my favorite show. Well, thank you for doing this. Um, so for the past four years, I've been weight training three times a week and take my dogs uh, on a few miles long walk at least once a day. You'll do that twice a day sometimes? A couple miles? All right. So you're long hikes on the weekends. This person is fit. This person exercises. E-harmony profile. Uh, yeah, right. 
This job is definitely a different animal. We are painting exteriors this summer, so I'm up and down on ladders on the roof and sore in new ways. Any tips for dealing with the physical toll? Uh, I already do the basic stuff like eating well, drinking water, and getting good rest. I also stretch and get a massage once a month. I'm almost 30 years old, if that matters. Well, when I read this, one thing jumped out. And you may not think about it. Uh, but you are, as you know, as you're working out, you're challenging your body in different ways. So I don't know how long you've been doing this, but I say much like a workout, um, going up and down a ladder and the tenseness of kind of being up there, different people are different on ladders. You know, sometimes like when I it took me a little while to get my sea legs on it, cause I didn't start by painting. And then I ended up hating a couple times and I think a couple summers and I fucking hated it by the way. Um, but it takes you a little while, at least for it did for me, uh, to just be all the way at the top you know, peak doing trim work and whatever, and, and you're way up there. And so your body can be tensed up when you don't realize how tensed up you are. Cause you're just not hundred percent comfortable. And it's not, I don't think it's super surprising for people like 40 something feet up, not being super comfortable the first time you're doing it. You know, and then you see somebody who's been doing it forever and they fly up and down the ladder. They're like, not even thinking about it. Um, so that could be that your body is tensed in a way, uh, that it hasn't been before. Cause I don't, it sounds like you haven't been doing this very long. All right. So just like a new exercise, different muscle group, different approach to doing it, you're going to feel a soreness you've never really felt before if you haven't done the exercise that way. There's also something else that I think is very easy to forget. When I started working construction, it's kind of just what I had done. So I didn't know any better. Like my hands were fucked up all the time and my back hurt and I'm in my early 20s and I'm lugging shit and I'm covering, I've got, you know, soot in my nostrils and I'm coughing and like, you know, because we weren't huge mask safety glasses guy back in the day and my dad's crew <laughs> we were not safety first it was just sort of like here's a shovel or there's a ladder or there's a hammer or here's an axe here's a shot you know what i mean it was just here's the tool go do the job and when you start out doing things that way you don't know any better so if you were to say turn 30 after working non-manual jobs you're going to do the manual job like there's this this kind of like romantic idea of like, man, working outside, this is great. You know what I mean? This is no desk for me. If you haven't done stuff like that ever, by the end of the day, you're going to be like, this fucking sucks. So I do think there's some kind of like, if you're born into it, you don't realize how much it sucks. And if you aren't, and then you get to it, later in life, not that you're old, but to just jump into any kind of manual outdoor labor at 30 is probably a massive departure from anything else you've ever done. So you have things that were easier to compare this to. I didn't realize how brutal it was until I stopped doing it. And then I think I did it like I came back to help once. And I was like, oh my God. I'm like, I can't believe I just did this and never thought like it was the best motivator ever. Cause I go, you can be outside and that's cool and all, but this stuff is hard. This is this is tough work. So that could also come into play too. I don't know where it is in the country. How hot is it? Is there any way, you know, are you getting exhausted because of the sun? Um, painting, sometimes you can figure out how to paint against the sun. You know, move, if you're doing the full house, trying to move the ladder around, that's something somebody else should probably try to tell you. Some cases it's it's not even an option, but it's something that we were always trying to figure out. Uh, to not be directly in the sun the entire time, just go to the other side of the house. Uh, and other than that, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I, I imagine with your workout background, it'll get better. But 
Uh, I just think it's always kind of funny when you never do it and you think like, oh, this will be kind of fun. And then if you've never done it, you're like, wait, this actually, does it suck? You're like, yeah, sometimes it's really hard. So Rudy, let's start with you on this one. Although we do have Parks and Rec Kyle. So take it wherever you need to go. Go ahead, pal. I would just say, my, so my dad, I don't have any insight on how to help this situation, but I do have a couple of stories. I built a shed last weekend. And nice. it was kind of shit. It was like one of those, tractor, right? Yeah, I was like, you know, nothing crazy. It was like one of those like plastic clicking ones. They have like, you know, the you put pins in them. There's like a little bit of drilling, but like it's not construction. I don't know. My but, shift, you know, we, what we, kind we of foundation was, are we talking about? A slab? Well, so this was the this was the debate. Like my dad wanted me to build like this concrete platform situation, make it, it super like level. It. He's like, well, you know, like the frost, it's gonna be on level. I'm like, Dad, I, I, I'm gonna put some rock down and I'm gonna put the shed on top of the rock, and we're just gonna hope for the best. And that's what we're gonna do. So that's what we did. So I leveled the rock out. We built the shed, whatever. It took, you know, most of a day. And I remember thinking afterwards, like, all right, this is like kind of cool, but like, do I want to do this tomorrow? Fuck no. Like, absolutely not. Like, this is insane. <laughs> um, you know, so it's like a one-off thing. And 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 it's just the amount of respect I have for people that do that shit every single day. And I'll tell another story. Like, so my dad does plumbing, heating, and air, air and plumbing, heating, and air conditioning. And when I would come home from college, like my parents were big on like, all right, like, you know, you got summer break or winter break, like you gotta get a job. Like you're not just gonna sit home all day. Um, which, you know, I kind of, I, I do respect and I thank them for doing that. But did like, you want to sit at home all day? I mean, I did. I probably wanted to play like, you know, 30 Madden seasons and just like hang out and just, you know, chill with my buddies who are all back at home. But, you know, he's like, no, you got to figure something out. You're not going to be here all day. So I got, I ended up working for my dad for like a week or two during the summer, a couple times in college. And that's like, you know, you're in at five 30 and you're out at one 30, uh, in the afternoon. So like, everyone's like, oh, you got your whole day to, you know, whole day to yourself, blah, blah, blah. The amount I was so I was never more tired in those weeks that I worked with my dad doing than doing anything else in my entire life. Like I would literally wake up at like five, the very last second I would wake up, I'd throw whatever clothes on, I'd go into work, I'd be tired all day, I'd come home and I would just go back to sleep. I was so fucking tired. And I just remember thinking, I the people that do this every single day, like how much fucking respect I have for them because. Uh, you're right. You probably get used to it. And I was just doing it like for, you know, a couple months or a couple weeks every single year. So like I wasn't, I didn't have any stamina built up and I'm sure these guys do, but it still doesn't make it any easier. So I have no advice to you, but I just know the feeling. I know how hard it is. And I know like, you know, I just knew that I was never kind of built for that because you have to be kind of a special, you know, a special person to be built to do that stuff. But I just, the utmost respect I have for people that work outside every day in the heat and the cold or whatever you you go by, like, you're driving on the road and guys like ripping up asphalt and it's like hot as shit outside or it's like snowing outside and they're still doing all this stuff. I don't know, man. Like you, I, they, they say built different. Like we ironically say built different. Like those guys literally are built different. And uh, so no advice, but I just, I feel the pain, man. I, I respect what you're doing. My, my brother did foundations, I think for a couple of years after high school he didn't go to college and he was, he was doing foundations and I would come back and I'd be like, how are you doing? And he was, you know, it was like he spent all day training MMA. And then as soon as he got mm -hmm. back in the afternoon, he'd eat and he was asleep. He just, yeah, your body is just beat up. Like your hands are, you know, you got calluses wow. all over your hands and they're bleeding or whatever. Right. Know. Because the, because the guy like it's working for the wrong dudes too would, would be tough. Be like, Hey, you got any gloves? Be like, Oh, what are you? One of those? And you're like, <laughs> can I just have gloves? So my hands aren't destroyed. And then you yeah, have like a, a moisturizer too. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm not asking for. <laughs> 50 SPF here. Like, are there any gloves around? Uh, Kyle, go ahead. Um, I mean, I noticed you didn't say hat. I think a hat would be a good start. Nice, good sun hat. Spent all day Common at, the, sense, at Kyle. the county fair a while ago and uh, just bought a hat halfway through. Looked dumb, but, you know, find the one that, that works for you. I think that's great. 
And also, you know, if you really are going hard, I think you just might want to, I mean, I'm not saying stop working out. I would never say that on this podcast, but, um, you know, if you, if you are like, if you're like, I've, I've watched you sit down in the morning, sometimes you're like, fuck, I'm sore. Like if you have to then start a day right after that, I don't know. I would just, I don't know. Think about maybe trying a different sort of off workout. days, off days, or, or maybe, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Some yoga. I, I don't know what you hey, can do. I'm, I'm doing chest and shoulders <laughs> today. Could I have tomorrow off and then I'll be back? <laughs> No, I Thursday just, to paint. I don't know. I just think <laughs> maybe a big change that the way me. you do your reps. Maybe it's uh, lower, lower weight, more reps. I don't know. I'm just thinking if you're showing up beat to shit, and then you're also going to walk two two separate multiple mile things with your dog. Like, you know, I'm just saying. Um, maybe maybe painting outside season isn't all year, so maybe maybe you take it, the time off. But I'm just. I, I I think it's great though. I think it's great that you're doing this outside stuff, and uh, I don't like that you think I was just a grounds crew guy. So. um I've done my fair share of stuff. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't framing, as you like to say, but you know, used to chop Ooh, wood. Used to chop wood for lots of people. That's a hard day's work. Chopping wood, throwing it in the chopping truck, wood then stacking stuff. it. Um, yeah. yeah, used to cut. Help my buddy's dad cut trees, uh, cut down trees in between houses and stuff. That was nerve wracking. Um, you know, wasn't just ground screw. It was my ground screw is my favorite. I said Parks and Rec because you're right. Okay, you know, it felt it felt like a little bit of a little bit of, I don't know if it was an attack there the way you presented me describing myself as a framer but that's all right I'm gonna let it go I appreciate that uh I love the idea of Saruti being hired to chop wood and then just within 15 <laughs> minutes being like you guys don't have a splitter <laughs> yeah like, no, come that's on, the, like, job. Get the hydraulic Sar- press out Saruti would just be like well I don't care that I'm gonna get fired I'm just saying that you're doing this as inefficiently as you possibly could like how hard is it to get a, like what's wrong with what's wrong with a firm you can't just get yourself splitter and pay that off yeah. over the last it does pay for itself. My dad, my dad will get annoyed because growing up, like he plowed the driveway, he did the weeding, right. he did like the mulching, whatever. And I'll, you know, I'll, I don't, I do some of those jobs. I don't do all those jobs at my house. And he get like the, the disappointment in his face <laughs> when I tell him that I'm having somebody do my leaves. It's, it's, it's actually so great. But I do do sh- I, Like I said, I built the shed. I built our back. We, we built the, like a patio with some, you know, some pavers or whatever a couple summers ago. Like I do do labor outside, but the disappointment of my dad that I don't do every project myself is pretty funny. But we're just, again, he's just like a different dude. You've met him, Ron. He just is, I don't know. He's, yeah, he's, he's great. Fixed. He did some work on my place uh, back when I lived in Connecticut. I had a couple HVAC plumbing emergencies. Couple, and he was he, always yeah. We had a couple more plumbing that's, than that's, HVAC. That's, yeah. Um, now there was the there was a there was an issue where there was um, something with the AC and and the drain line out of it was a mess. So it would flood this sort of back area of a basement. It was never too disastrous. It wasn't a full basement flood, but it would be this one area. That would start to draw water and then all of a sudden you'd be like wait a minute and the thing is is when you're looking at a house that's not brand new check the basement for water outline stains that are dry and i did not uh i did not notice that on mine home ownership sounds terrifying man it sounds absolutely it's my dream but it sounds terrifying well it'll happen don't worry about it but the the inspector could have maybe covered that with the, the amount of money they pay him but uh he missed it too so it was an issue and um Saruti's dad had to come fix it a couple of times. I do kind of love the idea of asking for a personal day on a construction site. <laughs> I don't know if that's uh, that's probably not a, sh- a TV show or movie couldn't be built around that concept. Maybe a bad one could be. Maybe you get a half a page dialogue out of that one. But it just kind of yeah, jumped into my jumped in my head a little bit. Has there ever been a construction site TV show? I think it would work. Has it been done? Well, I was thinking of like remember the remember what is it? The Simple Life with um with uh paris hilton and uh what the hell i forgot Nicole Richie. Name. 
Yeah. And like they weren't doing like necessarily like big time manual labor that way. But like if they had a TV show of like dudes like me who just had a had a douche had to do framing for a day or had to, had to lay foundations for a day, I actually would watch that. I would be terrible. You'd probably hate me. I'd hate myself, but it'd be good television. What if they did rat in the kitchen, but but construction style <laughs> where one guy was just purposely just was cracking these stones, man. Yeah. <laughs> He's just not, nothing's level. <laughs> He's just also known great. also known as electricians. Pilots <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, ah, All right. There you go. Wow. That's like yeah. my plane comment, dude. I feel like that's one of those. Yeah. No, yeah, I don't give a shit. Go there. Just knocking them off the list here. <laughs> Today's life advice was presented by Modelo. Modelo knows it doesn't matter where you come from, it matters what you're made of. And when you need a little advice, it never hurts to have someone in your corner cheering you on. Modelo came from small beginnings and never gave up. That's what makes a lion. Modelo, brewed for those with a fighting spirit. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. That's life advice. That was long. Uh, please subscribe to the Ryan Russillo podcast for your Spotify. Thanks to Kyle and Steve. We'll talk to you. Bill and I will be on Sunday. I'll be back Tuesday. Tuesday.